Here we are, Sweet 16. We got a bunch of sweet, sweet, pure quack for you guys today. I'm Rusty, joined by Sean. Exciting times right now. It is exciting times. We are recording this, oh, just about five plus hours away from game time. It's Sweet 16 at the at the Honda Center, which if you believe in things that have no direct outcome on the game whatsoever, is the home of the Anaheim Ducks, once known as the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. I love that team. Yeah, I think Disney owns part of that team. They, I think they did, and then when they like sold them or something, and that's when they went through their like rebranding and became just the Anaheim Ducks and instantly lost all their coolness. Yeah. Like they're just another hockey team now where like as before they're like, ah, it's the Mighty Ducks. The Mighty Ducks. So Oregon is playing Duke today in a few hours in basketball. But Mm. first... April 1st is coming up. I think we're about a week away. We are about a week away from April 1st. However, Addicted to Quack will not be putting up April Fool's articles. I know this is heartbreaking to everybody. We had a good run. A lot of them actually caught real steam. (laughs) A lot of you guys really believe the stuff we put up and forgot to check the calendar. I was all ready to write the article on Royce Freeman taking a year off to save himself for the NFL draft, uh, citing Todd Gurley's injury and a few other prominent running backs who went down in the year before they went pro. Especially after Carry the Rock so much. I was all ready to put the quote in. After last season and after looking at past experiences of previous top running backs, I feel that it's in my best interest to forego this final year and just prepare for the NFL draft. I was so ready to do that because I feel like that's so believable too. That 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 would have been one that caught fire. Yeah. I mean, it's so, so believable. So here here's the rundown. Is the... Um, the guys at SB Nation, and this is totally fair after after going through it and evaluating it, um, essentially the rundown is that fake news articles, deceptive headlines, all that fun stuff, it hurts SB Nation's relationship with the schools, conferences, and those who govern the sports postseason. And somebody's going to get, you know, somebody's not going to enjoy it. And... Um, it's a headache for the guys at SB Nation who like actually go to these media events and have to face these people, like talking to conference network executives. Um, so it, it's a hassle for them. So they laid out like we could still technically do it, but there's like five or six very specific rules that we have to follow that like out of like the five rules they laid out, like four of them are things we haven't done in the past and would have to like make sure that we did this year. Um, so it's, I don't know. It, it's not, I don't, I don't know if it's worth the hassle. 
Yeah, it's really one of those things where the costs have begun to outweigh the benefits. So, um, there's so a lot are, of ideas that we've had that haven't even made the actual posting because of how, I guess, believable they are while still being absolutely ridiculous. So we had a few where we didn't even publish them. Yeah. There's a couple articles I had in mind that are probably the greatest articles that have never been written. <laughs> so it's a uh, totally justifiable side. We got a lot of stuff anyways. A final note, I think it was like John Kinzano one year. I was like, I don't know why these blogs do this. Nobody believes these things. Just kidding. <laughs> the Oregonian like ran and like started reporting on a story that was a joke. Uh, it's good times. I remember, what was it like, I think like two years ago, I did a post on Marcus Mariota getting an exception from the NFL and like being allowed to declare for the draft like months after the deadline. Mm-hmm. And that thing caught like wildfire and it was shared like 10,000 times on Facebook and Comcast Sportsnet interviewed us about it. And so, yeah, people believe that stuff. And it's really fun, but I get it. It causes a lot of headaches for like people who have to do this as like a real job. Whatever that means. <laughs> Whatever responsibility job. is. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it might have run its course. It was a good time. Oh, I remember I was actually at a uh, – I was working out one time. And this guy – a couple of people at the gym knew I'm a huge Duck fan. Uh, well, I played a sport Oregon, so I have, like, everything has an O on it. Um, and so, like, dude, did you guys see? Marcus Mariota isn't playing this year. It was hilarious. Was like, he, uh, he left early. Good times. Yeah. <laughs> I was just dying. I was dying. Uh, so, all right. On to the Sweet 16 game mm-hmm. against the... Fourth seeded Duke Blue Devils. Duke uh, just is coming off a win against Yale in the ultimate game where you might see future players say, uh, You can't arrest me, my dad is a lawyer. It's very likely that we saw the next president of the United States somewhere. In that arena during that game, oh, yeah. on one of those teams, yeah, probably like the guy going wild, like the, the you know the twelfth player down on the bench going wild. Oh but yeah, one, not someone who those, plays. No, no, no. Grace Allen will not be president, but the guy at the end of the bench, yeah, he's gonna do things. Yeah, although you know who might actually be president that played a lot, Duke's Grayson Allen. Do you know why he might be the might be running for president? Because he's actually um, Ted Cruz, who drank an anti aging potion. He's yeah. He must be Ted Cruz's love child, or like they did some type of cloning, and this is like Ted Cruz's version two point Did you guys really think we were going to go through a whole episode of Sling and Quack talking about Duke basketball without comparing Grayson Allen to Ted Cruz? Oh, we dove, we dove right into that one. No. Also, I don't know if you saw this, but Ted Cruz might also be the Zodiac Killer. 
<laughs> it's very true. Have you seen that? Does that also mean that Grayson Allen is also the Zodiac Killer and they are one and the same? Could be. It could be. You never know. You never um, know. Maybe maybe Cruz. <laughs> Ted Cruz is the Zodiac Killer. It was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. I highly encourage you to look that up. I don't know if I can post the photo on our actual article pages. I'll link to it. Um, but it's like a Ted Cruz... Uh, it's a photo of Ted Cruz next to the uh, artist rendering of the Zodiac descriptions, and it's the exact same person. It's spot on. It's like if you just put glasses on, you'd be like, okay, that makes sense. I think like 38%. See, this might be an example where I got got by like some fake headline, but there's a headline somewhere that said 38% of Floridians think that Ted Cruz could be the Zodiac killer. <laughs> It's it's likely, but I mean, it's like on one hand, you're like, is that a fake headline? But on the other hand, you're like, well, it's Florida, so I want it to be a real headline that has like no serious behind it, no serious <laughs> behind it. So, but I mean, it is Florida. It is Florida. Could Any, anything could happen in Florida. Yeah, I highly recommend everybody follow Billy Corbin, who did the U, the U Part Two, all three Cocaine Cowboys movies. He did Dogfight. I highly recommend you follow him on Twitter because he ends up retweeting a bunch of the ridiculous Florida headlines coming through. It's so funny. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> back to back to uh, this game. Sorry, everybody. We got way off topic. Um, <laughs> that, that derailed real fast. Yeah. Uh, Duke played... Luke was the four seed coming in. They played... University of North Carolina, Wilmington. Who gave him a good scare? Yeah. Here's here's why Duke had such problems. A full-court press. It looked like Duke had never seen a full-court press before. They did not know what to do. It was, it was ridiculous. Normally when a team that's worse tries pressing really hard, they just mm-hmm. get absolutely smoked. To the contrary... It worked really, really well. Like, really well. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm maybe, maybe Oregon watched that and saw that that's a possible way to beat them tonight. Yeah. Um, I was reading something where... So, I was reading... Um, stumbled across the Sports Illustrated Seth Davis predictions tonight. And... He said the way that you beat Duke is by beating them on offensive rebounds. And how, because Oregon only has like a slight advantage over Duke in that department, then he's saying Duke wins. I firmly disagree with him. (laughs) I, I disagree. Uh, the only thing, like, the reason why they beat UNC Wilmington was because UNC let Wilmington let them get off so many easy shots. Shots that just aren't going to be there against Oregon. Like, they're just not going to be there. So I really think that Duke, with a much worse, uh, with, like, who's going to get way fewer quality shots, is going to be able to pull this off. Like... Is Oregon the weakest number one seed? Yes. Yeah. Did they earn the one seed? Yes. Are they one of the four best teams in the country? 
Probably not. This is March Madness. Anything can happen. But Duke is such a weak four seed. Like they, if if they weren't Duke, they would be maybe a five six. Like, yeah. And they beat UNC Wilmington and Yale, and they looked less than fantastic in both of them. Like, it's just I don't see how. Yeah, I think this is why. I mean. It's like going when they unveiled the bracket, I was feeling pretty good about Oregon's chances, um, just by like seeing because you always look ahead to who you could play, mm-hmm. and you know just seeing the um, just seeing the potential matchups for Oregon. Like, okay, it, a lot of people probably thought we would have been playing either Baylor or Duke tonight, and didn't see. Yale winning the first game, but I mean you you know it's like Duke, not the you know it, yeah they they're a good team but they're they're beatable. Baylor we had already beaten them this year. Yale uh, you know okay don't need to say anything there, but so it's like it's it was one of those brackets where like you look at it and you you're like okay we could we could make some noise this tournament. Yeah, you're not in like the bracket of doom, or like, or like when you play in the World Cup, was it like the group of death? Yeah, there's one every year. I think yeah, I think March Madness needs an official group of death. Well, I mean, Oregon's gonna have to play Texas A&M or Oklahoma the next round, and then if they survive that, they'll probably play Kansas. Well, Kansas <laughs> is playing Maryland. I've seen some. I wouldn't seen, say that's a that's a layup for them. I've seen some upset picks. I think the Maryland is Kansas thrives off transition. Maryland is really good at slowing that down, and Maryland is fantastic playing half court. Kansas not so much. Maryland really talented. I think that game could be extremely close. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, yeah. Also, Oregon tips off at 7, which means little Pac-12 after dark. Little Pac-12 after dark. And it means that no Duke fan under the age of 12 is going to be able to watch this game. <laughs> oh, my God. They I just hate Duke fans. You know, the same you know Duke fans are Yankee, Laker, Manchester United, and Cowboys fans. Yeah. All the same people. They're all the Duke fans. So, God, I hate Duke. I just hate them so much. I just hate... Actually, it's weird because I really like their football team. See, I... basketball team. It's like, I I always want their football team to do so well. Uh Uh-huh. Like, I want their football team to win the ACC title game automatically so they can go to a huge bowl game. Yeah, I'm waiting but, for Vanderbilt to like win the SEC. Yeah, but Duke basketball, you know, which means that Oregon is in a position to become a band of national heroes tonight if they can win this game. America's team. Tonight, Oregon is America's team. Yeah, I think 30% of the population absolutely despises Oregon tonight and 70% really like or just giving approval to Oregon like mildly cheering 
So, all right. Well, Duke has uh, Zodiac Killer's illegitimate son on their team. Um, <laughs> my buddy sent me a text today, and he said, "What's the uh, her nose?" It was not. I, I don't know why I thought this was a text message. It was a, a tweet on Twitter from good old Dave Piper. Uh, saying what's the under what's the over under on how many times Grace Nellon trips a guy tonight <laughs> I forgot about that Grace Nellon trips a lot of people during games he also trips a lot himself oh he trips himself <laughs> in, in, the, in the UMC Wilmington game he like in the late stages he slipped like twice on the exact same spot on the floor and then the Duke Cowboys just went to work yeah Grayson Allen is scores the most on the Duke team. Averages like 22 points a game. He had 29 against Yale. And then the next guy is Brandon Ingram. And there's like another tier of Emil Jefferson, Matt Jones, Marshall Plumlee. Um, I was so, going through um, I was going through Duke's game notes earlier, and uh-huh. I think my favorite bit was Marshall Plumlee has dunked 58 times on the season, tied for fifth best single season total in program history cool they are keeping track of how many times he dunks the ball this year that's fantastic meanwhile Oregon is like Dylan Brooks with 17 Elgin Cook with 14.5 Tyler Dorsey with 13.7 Chris Boucher with 12.1 and then Dwayne Benjamin with 8.1 it's like just stacked in the middle Mm -hmm. so I mean I'm gonna see I'm excited to see who takes on um, Allen. Yeah, that'll be interesting. So, because I feel like Brooks is the most athletic, but I don't think he can keep up. Uh, Casey Benson, meanwhile, has been playing a ton the last few games. Yeah, he's he's been playing a huge role. Yeah. He's so, really stepped up. Yeah. So maybe he's just like dedicated, like, you're guarding Grayson Allen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't care what you do on offense. <laughs> Pass the ball to Brooks. Pass the ball to somebody else. Just guard Allen. So we got to get, you rarely see this in basketball. We got a white guy, a white point guard against a white point guard. Oh, man. What a time to be alive. <laughs> time to be alive. I remember hearing somewhere, like, I remember reading. I think it was like a Bill Simmons column where he was talking about like there's like a small like the white point guards in the in the league really like there's almost like a fraternity for it and he'll, mm-hmm. he'll watch them like he'll watch the white point guards before games and they will almost always like say hi or like pump fist or something <laughs> like Steve Blake, David Kidd uh, or Jason Kidd I went to high school with a David Kidd um yeah, so we got us a good one tonight. Um, so yeah, I just think with Oregon's, Oregon has got. Sl- I think Duke has a slight advantage on talent. Mm-hmm. I think Altman has been a better coach than Coach K this this year. Oh, I, I actually might even that. say that the, for the last few years. Um. I think for how talented this Duke team is, like with the guys they have, I mean, they should have way more than 
23 wins right now. Exactly. It yeah. should be closer to like that 28 to 30 mark. Yeah. And I think with Oregon running a press, it's going to cause a lot of problems for Duke. I think Duke is going to have considerably fewer shots. And the quality of the shots on the whole are going to go down a significant amount. I think Oregon wins this game. Um, I wonder what the spread is. It's uh, Oregon by three. Oh. I would take that. Yeah. I would take that easy. Um, if when Oregon moves on, they will be playing Texas A&M or Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma's the, Oklahoma is the two seed. And I've been told by many in the basketball community, just online and everything, so you know it has to be true, uh, that Oklahoma is the superior team, but they've got weaknesses that match up really well with Texas A&M's strengths. Mm-hmm. So meanwhile, Texas A&M had to have the biggest implosion in sports history, legitimately in sports history, to beat uh, Northern Iowa. I think down 11 with 33 seconds to go. Yeah, the um, I saw a, a win probability chart, and it had, uh, it like with like 30 seconds left, Northern Iowa had a 99.99% chance to win that game. Uh-huh. So A&M had a point zero. like, you cannot have, if you're just, you cannot have worse odds than that to win a game, and they did it. It's, like, really, it's really impressive. And then LeBron, LeBron James goes on to, I think he said, like, if I was Northern Iowa, if I was a player there, I would quit basketball forever. It was so bad. <laughs> it's just it like, was oh so my bad. God. If you haven't seen it, I really can't emphasize how... Bad. Northern Iowa looked. Like I'm trying to come you, up with words to describe it. it it's if, like if you thought our late implosion against Arizona in the Pac-12 tournament was bad, like watch the last 30 seconds of this game, and you'll feel way better about it. I, I'm trying to think of an Oregon football that would be like an Oregon football game because people will have seen that. Yeah, well, of course, like, everyone started making jokes on how, like, oh, did they bring Jeff Lockie into this game? Because they're really blowing it, you know? Oh, and, right. Oh. Yeah, it was, it was basically, <laughs> actually, that's a great point. It was like the second half of the TCU game. But it was the that second, condensed into 30 seconds. Yeah, it was the <laughs> second half. Like, what, what would be the, like, football equivalent in, in time to that? To If you're down by 12 in basketball, let's, what, let's call that, like, Three touchdowns in football? Yes. Let's say you're down 21 with like two, like a minute or two minutes to play. Yeah. Like two minutes tops, and you go on to lose that game. That's like the closest kind of in general football comparison I can make. Like yeah. if, I, if I was a Northern Iowa fan and the last 30 seconds of the game was on, like I'd probably like go up and wash the dishes or go off to the bathroom or, you know, just leave the room in peace. Yeah. And then I would come back and never watch sports again. Yeah. 
And then Tarsana ended up winning in like double overtime. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think the next round it's going to be very close, but it's going to be a toss up because Oklahoma is one of those teams that is top ten. They're right there with Oregon. It's going to be close. It's going to be entertaining. It's going to be entertaining. Otherwise, Oklahoma's going to run Duke out of the gym or Texas A&M. So, but there was a lot I really liked about Texas A&M. And by liked, I mean like as in when the Ducks play them. So, we haven't even talked about the St. Joseph's game. We haven't. That game, I, I, was, I was nervous for a while. That was a game where, like, it was just... It went like nobody nobody was able to control the momentum. Like it like one team would go on an eight oh run and then another team would go on a seven oh run and then another team would go on a ten oh run. It was just like a game of like back and forth streaks like that where one team would just go ice cold and just like seesawed back and forth the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, Dylan Brooks really went off. And uh, yeah, twenty five points Brooks from Dylan Brooks, and he made a lot of big plays down the stretch. Like I think eight of those points came at the very end when mm-hmm. they needed to happen. Some big points, some big blocks, some big like three point plays. Oh yeah. He was he was just playing like a man with a purpose. I remember I think it was like the second three he hit in like two minutes. He catches it on the wing and he goes up to shoot it and all I can remember saying, aggressive. <laughs> aggressive. <laughs> what an aggressive move. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. And then he nails it. And then uh he did the whole thing where he like yells and stuff and then uh uh, that prompted Bill Walton to give him a act like you've been there before <laughs> in the Pac-12 uh, semifinal. So that guy, Dylan Brooks, is great. And then you know who's been kind of off and on is Boucher. Mm-hmm. He's been completely off and on. So. Yeah, he needs to be on tonight, especially on the offensive rebounds. If Duke or if- Oregon wants a chance against Duke. Yeah. I mean, it's really going to be... With Duke having Coach K, even though Altman's been better this year, Mm -hmm. at a higher talent level, you can never... You can never, like, really count them out. They might have a slim chance, but that is a legit chance like it's a serious like 35 40 percent so it's uh it's gonna be exciting yeah i think the the matchup um that will be the most interesting to watch in my opinion will be other than uh zodiac killer child other than zodiac killer child okay Slash Ted Cruz. Slash Ted Cruz. Um, slash Grayson Allen. Down, down in the paint, 
I would just I'll I'll assume that it's going to be Chris Boucher that goes up against him because there's no one else that comes close to that height. But uh-huh. uh, seeing who is going to try and stop Marshall Plumley, he's only averaging eight point four points per game this year. Uh-huh. But I feel like he just makes such an impact, and he's a I like I I mean I guess I, you kind of had a idea if you look at him, but he is seven feet tall, two hundred and fifty pounds. Wait, what? That is that is off of Duke's. I mean, they who knows how much they inflate this, but off of uh, the Duke game notes, Marshall Plumley, seven feet, two fifty. Whereas Chris Boucher is six foot ten, one ninety. So Plumley has sixty pounds on Boucher. Oi. That could be a game changer. Cause that's like Oregon's Yeah. I mean Oregon weakness. like this I mean this is like you know, same like same thing with football. It's all about like athleticism and speed over power. Um, Bullets, not bowling balls. Yeah, but sixty pounds is a lot. the The closest guys, the closest guy that on Oregon's roster that comes to Plumley as far as like height and weight is Roman Sorkin, who's six ten, two twenty five, huh. and Jordan Bell's six nine, two twenty five. Jordan Bell, get at him. I like Jordan Bell on that. This is this is Jordan Bell's night to shine. I love Jordan Bell so much. I love him. Yeah. I think that's going to be key because I don't I don't think like I think that I mean if you're like no matter how talented a guy is, if you're 60 pounds bigger than a guy, you can just push him around all night. Yeah, you just like lean into him. You can lean into him and wait for him to fall over when the wind blows yeah as if there's because there's definitely wind in an indoor arena yeah actually that's the only thing that gives me pause then about Oregon being able to close off the wings oh I'm gonna figure something out I don't know how to do it but now I'm now I'm just terrified of Plumlee going off is his older brother the Plumlee that plays for the Blazers um I don't know there's like 10 of them okay uh, let's just see what a quick, quick Google in Plumney. Uh, Miles, uh, yeah, it's the, there's uh, it's Miles the one. Plumley. It's the same one. Mason Plumley went to Duke. Now he's at Portland. Okay. Yeah. There's, Siblings: there's... Miles Plumley, Marshall Plumley, and Madeline Plumley. All right. She is a Notre Dame women's volleyball player. According to Wikipedia, Marshall right. Plumley, his other sibling, oh, he's playing for Duke, six eleven, and then Miles Plumley is with the Milwaukee Bucks. Phoenix Suns, Milwaukee Bucks, Bucks now. Milwaukee Bucks. So wow, that family. Some of these families, man. Yeah. Some it of these is- families. That is called winning the genetic lottery right there. I mean, it certainly, certainly helps. Yeah, and so his dad played in the NBA, and then, uh, yeah. I mean, 
And good of Coach K to get all of them at Duke. Yeah, well done. Yeah. When you can get a family of guys who are six ten and above, you He probably you just get go, he probably just goes to their Thanksgiving dinner every year. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Just goes goes to the house, offers Mason Plumley, and says, Well, since we're here. Goes goes, you know, next one down. You guys all wanna come? Yeah. Like uh Lane Kiffin. Offering sixth grader scholarships and everything. Mm-hmm. It's classic. Um, Got to get in the news somehow. Yeah. So I've been watching a lot of... Not watching. I've been reading some draft analysis. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting uh, what people say about Buckner. Because I brought up how his 40 was a 5.05. Mm-hmm. Which is not good. It's... Uh, Mel Kuyper had it in the red zone for... Uh, defensive ends, given that there are offensive linemen who are faster than him. But everyone's just like, his size and his like what he can like really do with that size, even though he ran like a 5.05 he can just like blow through people. And he like doesn't have any moves. It was very weird, like, reading this thing. Because, like, yeah, he just kind of, like, continually just blows through people. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really do anything else. Or, like, he'll do a swim move. But with someone like him, he should be doing, like, a rip. Which is different different drills that defensive tackles can do. Uh, for defensive heads. J.J. Watt does almost all rips. It's basically where, where you put your arm down, like, when you're running... And you like rip it, and you put like you want to put your helm up, elbow at your eye height, so it's like a big uppercut, so that mm-hmm. brings people's hands off. So it's so crazy though that somebody that somebody who is viewed as so kind of unrefined is going to go like in the top five. Yeah, he's just like I feel like it's just been one of like the. He'll be like one of the quietest top five, top ten picks. Like, so, I mean, with Oregon going to a four three next year in football, mm-hmm. I don't see how it can get any worse. Like, I know Oregon can technically move seven spots backwards, but I don't know how it could get worse. And Brady Hoke, even though he's a head coach. He went to his new schools. They went from like 110th in the country to like 11th defensive wise. Yeah, I mean, we almost literally hit rock bottom last year. So I don't think it, you know, it obviously can't get much worse. <laughs> it literally cannot get it much li- worse. <laughs> it literally cannot get much worse. So, I mean, if we already hit bottom. Only. Only place to go is up. So, all right. Do we have anything else to talk about? Hopefully, we'll have two more games to talk about and be doing a preview for the final four games. Yes, if we. But yeah, we uh, there won't be another episode for about a week, and so by that point, Oregon will either not be playing anymore this season or they will be going to their first ever final four 
since the tall first days. Last point I want to make real quick. If I was outraged by the uni the Sweet Sixteen Uni Watch article, it was so boring. They were ranking all the Sweet Sixteen uniforms from best to worst. Uh-huh. Um wor- the worst one was Texas A and M. Fair. I mean Adidas does their uniforms, right? Like that's just kind of what happens. Man, Adidas just cannot do a uniform. Like they've had some notoriously bad uniforms in recent recent years. Like really um, bad. Yeah. The so the quick rundown: number one, North Carolina; two, Kansas; three, Indiana; four, Villanova; five, Syracuse; six, Duke. Seven Virginia. This is ridiculous. Eight Gonzaga. What? Nine Maryland. Boo. Ten Oklahoma. Eleven Iowa State. Twelve Notre Dame. Iowa State, are you? Thirteen Oregon. That is that 14, is ridiculous. Miami. Fifteen Wisconsin and sixteen Texas A and M. How is Miami that low? I mean, I see a picture here. They're pretty bad. Uni watch. Sweet 16 uni watch. Like, okay, I get giving North Carolina the top jerseys. Like, that's just, like, that's like ranking pies and putting apple pie at the top. Like, it's the safe pick. All right, North Carolina's fair. Kansas, fair. Indiana, I always love Indiana's. Villanova's okay. Syracuse, The top three are saying, like, okay, these are, like, the clean and classic college basketball uniforms that you can't criticize. Gonzaga, GTFO. Virginia's and Dukes are not special at all. Maryland's should be higher. Oklahoma's or whatever. Iowa State, are you kidding me? That looks average. That is below average. Notre Dame, and nothing special about that. I'd put Maryland at number one on this list. I've always been a fan of the uh, the state pride Dude, pattern. I love these Miami uniforms. I don't like the cummerbund look that Adidas seems to be in love with, which is terrible on the Wisconsin uniforms and even worse on the Texas A&M uniforms. Yeah. There's Miami jerseys. Now. I love Miami colors. The, the green and orange. Yeah. It's very distinctive. Like, you see those colors and you think Miami. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. Well, I think we both have Oregon beating Duke. I have Oregon probably covering against whoever they play in the next round. I had Oregon. against Texas a Yeah. I had Oregon beating Baylor in this round in my bracket that is now somewhere. I don't know where it is. It's just charred remains somewhere. <laughs> I, I exactly didn't have But um, I have Oregon losing in the final four to Kansas. Same. Um, I've got – and if Oregon goes down, then Kansas is my last final four team standing. God, I hate we're, my bracket. We're, we're in the Sweet 16, and I'm already in danger of losing my entire Final Four. <laughs> After Purdue went down and Michigan State went down, I was like, okay, I, I'm out of this. Yeah. And then Arizona lost, and it was just like... Mm-hmm. 
This the, and this was the one year that I actually like I I literally spent like two or three days picking my bracket. Oh no! And I'm never doing that again. Don't, don't. Yeah, there's really only uh, so much time you can spend on it before it's just like, all right, you did as much prep as you can. Yep. So. All right. Well, that'll do it for us here at Sling and Quack. I'm Rusty, that's Sean, and we'll see you guys next week.